Episode 65 of the Coys R Us podcast. I am Joel. I've got Ben and Kim with me. And we are back for another episode of the Coys R Us podcast where a group of Americans get together and talk about Tottenham Hotspur. And we are coming off of our latest match, which happened this past weekend, a 2-2 draw with Manchester United away at Old Trafford. Um, All things considered... Good result, Ben? Bad result? I think so. Good no, result. I think it was, well, the result wasn't great. Obviously, I think we deserve more than a, a draw there. Um, but the the display I thought was really good. I thought we looked great, considering we're playing on the road against, I know, a little bit more of a feeble United than normal. But on the road uh, against a, a big six team um, with extremely limited options, especially in midfield, um, I was... Very pleasantly surprised. I thought we were going to be screwed with that midfield three. Yep. Um, yep. Skip looked by far the best I think he's looked this season. The only player, to be honest, that I wasn't very uh, happy with their performance was was uh, Brennan Johnson. He was the only yeah. player that I don't yeah, don't think really did very well. Um, and he even still got into good positions. He just – he reminds me of now he's starting to remind me of like Aaron Lennon where he's like getting in positions, but he just can't deliver a, a final ball. Well, so, the Brennan, we'll see, but... the Brennan Johnson, um, the Brennan Johnson judgment has been pretty, I think, harsh, uh, especially on Spurs Twitter the past couple of days. Yeah, I agree. I will say, you know, all things considered, United are not having a good season. They are still a pretty big club playing away at Old Trafford. Is still going to be a big match, regardless of form. And we took four points off them this season. And there was even a hint of Dr. Tottenham there. Sorry. But in terms of both, is it, um, is it Holland? I think I can't remember how they Hoyland. Hoyland. Yeah. Hoyland and Rashford have both not been able to score a damn goal all year. And of course, they both score bangers. Against right. Us. Of course. What is that? I mean, that was the other point that I was going to make, too, when I think about whether or not this was a good result. For me, it is not only because of the four points. Not only because you're playing in a hostile environment, you're playing on the road against a big club. Even the Hoyland and the Rashford goals were like really well taken. It wasn't, but they, they fell to them. They, they they like didn't really work those goals. They're really well taken goals, but sure. the build up was almost like I mean they they both were a lot of fortune in both those goals where it kind of fell to one of them. Especially the well, the yeah. I mean, I I think that that goes to my point. Like it, it wasn't yeah. it wasn't wolves where it's like, oh, you shouldn't have given that up, or you kind of just had a a lapse of judgment, or guys started flagging and then we kind of gave up goals late. But it's also the fact that like we went down twice and came back. Um, we're playing with a depleted team. Yes, United are not a very strong side right now, but considering who we had to play with. And the fact that our bench options were essentially Dragushin and Brian Hill, like <laughs> it, it's not, you know, we weren't the going, bench I've seen. We weren't going into the game at full strength and just like capitulating to a bad United side. We were also um, in 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 kind of a, a a bad spot. And I think if you go on the road and you score two goals, that's usually going to be good enough to get a result. We did get a result, maybe not the three points that we wanted. Kim, what what were your thoughts uh, about the result? I mean, and for the most part, I I agree with you guys. I think it was a decent result. It's, I wouldn't say it's great. I wouldn't say it was bad. It's decent. Like you, like you say, you go there and you get one point, and going down twice and coming back from it really just shows how the team is like getting behind each other, trying to work it out, not giving up. And that's the biggest thing that I pulled from this is that no matter who's playing on our team they're just going to keep trying to fight for it. Like no matter what happens, no matter what's going on, you see the fight from the beginning to the end. And I've always been a person that if you fight for something as a team, like I can always pull for you because I know you're putting your heart behind it and you're getting to it in the way that you should. You might not have what you need to, to get it all done. But if you put everything on the floor, like I can't really be mad at, at at what you do like I, that's, I really can't and effort we had matters. some really yeah I, and and to me like effort has always been the thing like and we we bring this back to like our basketball team me you Knicks and Jesse. The, like and Jesse New York New York fans 
it's all about that. Like, if you put your heart into what you do, New York fans will love you. It might not always work out for you. You might lose. And then this game, we didn't win. We didn't lose, whatever. Um, but I just really feel like the team in general fights and the teams that win games, the teams that draw when it doesn't really feel like you should are the teams that fight. They they put enough behind them to go out there and, and get the job done. And like I say, it would have been amazing to get those three points, but by the time we got to like 70 minutes, like those guys were, you could see they were exhausted. Um, if we had people to bring into that game, if we started with one other person that yeah. was a little bit more like, you know, could do a little bit more to, I feel like we would probably would have won that game. So um, the way I looked at it was I'm happy with the result, but I would have been happier, obviously, if we won. I mean, the other point that I wanted to make about, you know, big six rivals, obviously there's there's other teams in the Premier League. And, and, and now we're in a point where the league is pretty competitive, where there aren't really any easy games to be had. But I think as a general measure, if we're able to get four points off them, which we just did, you look at Arsenal and City, both of which we drew on the road. So there's a potential four points to take off both of them this season as well if we beat them both at home. We've already beaten Liverpool at home. So if we draw away to them, that would be another four points. Ironically, the only team of the big six that we can't get four points off this season is Chelsea, which is the worst of all of the clubs. Um, but that's just that's just the ultimate irony. Ben, you talked about Brennan Johnson, and obviously that... I think sticks out in fans' minds and people are probably being a little bit harsh on him because, A, he was like the glaring sore spot in R11, um, but also, B, when you go down a goal and then you're able to to score very quickly into the second half and you're pushing to win, you're really looking at that front three to be able to create that winning goal. I think fans have sometimes forgotten the fact that he has put balls in. He has gotten assists. I think he has like five or six on the season. Um, but because he had a poor showing against United, there's been this narrative of like, he's not good enough. He can't pass the ball. He can't cross. And it feels like fans are getting a really short memory with him, not to mention the fact that he's a 22-year-old kid. What are your thoughts on Johnson? Not necessarily in this game specifically, but just his role in the team. And like what you see for him moving forward. So overall, I've been pretty happy with him, actually. I think that he's provided a spark. He's definitely provided pace. Um, I think that there's a couple issues at hand here. Uh, the biggest one really is because he was expensive. The same reason people get on with Charleston if he's not being productive. To spend, he was almost 50 million pounds. Yeah. Um, and I know some of that is just an English player tax, even though he's Welsh, right? I, I still need to figure out this. is Does he count as a homegrown player in both in the Premier League and in, in UEFA competition? In the Premier League, but not in... It's the same with um, Davies then, right? UEFA? Mm -hmm. Yeah, not yeah. in UEFA. Well... Because yeah, I thought he would count as homegrown because he, he didn't come from a Welsh club, right? You're right. Um, he actually would count because he... Because he his, didn't turn, uh, like, you have to be a certain age or something. Yeah, it's like 18 years. years old. Yeah. It's like 18 years old. You have to do three years before you're 21. 21 and he definitely did Academy. that. So, actually, yeah. he does count. My bad. I think so. Right. so. And so, anyway, yeah, I think it's that that's the main thing. So, it's he, he was expensive. He was our biggest um, purchase, especially attacking purchase, th this transfer window. Um, yeah. But then also, like I said, he it does stand out when he's – just be it kind of reminds me of Emerson a little bit last year where he just seemed like he was the dude somehow putting in all the crosses and they just didn't happen very often but you're right he's he still has had some sparks of uh of uh good play and he is young and the dude's probably exhausted he's probably played more minutes since he got, came back from injury than almost anybody else on our team at this point i'm trying to think who yeah, would even be in competition i think for that, he's probably started like 11 games straight and that's yeah. the thing with all the injuries we have like brennan Poro johnson him, like when he came two. in probably was not expected to to start no. half the games of the year and he's like probably going to get close to that 
um, when the season's over. He'll probably start more than half our games. But I looked at him as more a guy that came off the bench that would give us some energy from 70 to 90 minutes and run to grow into his position. Exactly. And he's not been able to do that. And that's the one thing about this team. Like we always say, like everyone has like they may they're doing stuff that you didn't expect them to. But they show up and he showed up enough for me to be happy with him. Um, My one thing about him is I feel like when he has the time to make a decision. He often doesn't make the right one. And so for me, it's more about his mind than it is what he does with, you know, what he actually does on the field. Like, can he make the decision to do the right cross? Like that is to me is is where he is Um, and where I feel like he goes wrong is that. You know, you look at a situation, you expect him to put a cross and you expect it to go on the ground and he puts it overhead. And you're like, if you put that cross on the ground, someone probably scores. And so for me, it's like if he can work on his decision making, if he can work on that part of his game, then I feel like he becomes an infinitely better player because he has the pace. Um, I would like to see him take on people more. And that's the one thing that I feel like. That's the one thing I don't feel like we're getting enough from the guys on the wing. And I feel like even on the other side, Timo didn't do that enough either. He didn't take guys on and and actually try that was, to... That was the profile for him coming in, right? That was the whole... Well, I feel like, I feel like he ran at... Why we I, feel like, I feel like he ran at some guys, but I feel like there were situations where I was like, you really could have taken this guy on and probably would have made something happen. But I understand being in a new team, not wanting to feel like... And a lot of stuff was going to his side. because So I could see being on a new team, literally training with these guys for like two days and not wanting to feel like you're hogging the ball. And so there was probably times where he passed it back and made decisions like that when he probably, I don't know, a month down the road would just be like, oh no, like I have the pace, I'm just going to do this. And so I feel like in, in general, and we're skipping ahead, but Timo, I wasn't like, overexcited about him but I was happy enough with what he gave us obviously the assist you give me an assist I'm I can't be too upset with with your game um if you help make a goal but back to um Brennan um like I say with him I think it's more about like the decisions he makes more than what he has inside of him so if he figures out how to make better decisions when he has the time to actually do it like I say when he doesn't have the time and it's quick he seems to make the right one. He puts the like he usually puts that cross in on the ground, and Richarlison is right there to try and knock it in if he does and if he doesn't. But um, I feel like when he has the time to think about what he's doing is when we sometimes see he's too worried about making the right decision, and then he sometimes makes the wrong one. The only concern I have because I, I still think that's a great like a very shrewd move, but and there's so much pace on our wings now. I mean, it's it's pretty scary, but they are very similar in terms of their lack of trying to dribble or takes a player on, even though, like you said, Werner did seem to go to the byline a couple of times. Um, but the, yeah, they're, if they're just similar in terms of pacey players, they can get behind, but can't really divide, uh, deliver a final product. That'd be my main concern. But again, like you guys were saying, Brandon Johnson has, has a ton of time to deliver. Um, you know, he, he is young, not only this season, but in coming season, he has plenty to deliver on his, you know, his price. If you're worried about that, that aspect of it. And once we have more players come back, hopefully get another winger in this window. But even if we just get Sun back, get, um, Solomon back, they'll just give us some other options. So the the players will be a little bit more plug and play rather than just having, you know, the same thing over and over and over down the right wing. I mean, you made the point about how he kind of stuck out a little bit more, particularly because everybody else seemed to be having a pretty decent game. Ollie Skip, one of his best performances. And I think that honestly has a lot to do with it. When we look at his stats for the season, he has one goal and four assists in 15 starts. I don't think when we got him, we were expecting him to start 15 times um, in our first 21 games, but this is kind of the situation that we found ourselves in. And I think what's oftentimes forgotten is the fact that he is 22. We've seen 22-year-old wonder kids before, but he's also playing on a team with a lot of other really young guys who are exceeding expectations, right? Um, 
Udogi's way better than we thought he was going to be. Kulisevsky, Bentinker, Vicario, all of these Poro. players that... Sar. Poro, like Sar, yeah. right. It There's goes so on and everybody. The um, and they're and not... And they're all having... relatively young, and I feel like because of that, there's now been a higher bar set in the minds of the fans of like, why aren't you playing like Sar? And why aren't you playing like Poro? And it's like... Like Oliver Skip, even, for Christ's sake. Skip yeah. having a good game didn't help... Uh... Johnson out where first, like you said, but, he, Johnson's been okay. It's just the last couple games, he's he just seemed extra weak. It has literally been the last couple games because two games ago he had an assist against Bournemouth. Sure, like it's, awesome. you know, it's. Um, but the thing I will say is, like you can say, like Sar, obviously we bought him when he was eighteen, but he had already played like a full year of professional men's football when we bought him. Yeah, that was his seventeen-year season. He was like in the first team already. So same with you, doggy, pretty much. Exactly. So you can't really compare guys who have played like three full years of first team football with a guy who came from the championship and only played. This is only his second year in the Premier League. Like this is only like his you can really say like first. Like when you put it that way, like he's only really played like one and a half years where he's been expected to be the guy or one of the guys. Yeah. So can you compare that to someone who has been playing like three or four years expecting to be one of the guys? Like I, I feel like I mean, I, are... I, I will say 101 games played for Forrest and the championship is no small peanuts league. Um, it's, it's not, not no the small Premier peanuts league. league, but you see people come from the championship and don't Syria? do it in the Premier League. Like that, that is a thing. You've seen guys come up from the championship and are not able to make it in the Premier League. So I'm not saying that's going to be him, but I'm not surprised that it's taking him a while. And like you can say that a lot of games in the championship at Forest, and he seems to be a purple patch player because I remember hearing at Forest, he struggled in the beginning of the season, but he had like eight goals and however many assists in the second half of the season. So maybe he just needs time to get his legs on this team. And he expect, and you expect him to get the legs faster than he actually did. Like, Give young players time to grow. Like we have enough talent. And once we get people back from injury, he won't be expected to play every minute of every single game. Right. So give him the space and the time to grow. Like we as Spurs fans in general need to stop attacking our young players. We need to stop expecting them all to be a finished product. Amen. When we, when we get them, like that's not the, that's not the case. And I guess, yeah, you want everyone to bet in and hit the ground running but not everyone does that but that doesn't mean he's going to be a bad player that doesn't mean he's not going to be worth the amount of money we spent for him give him the space and the time to grow that's that's like all i want people to do is just give him the space and the time and in in three years if he's sessignon then yes you can talk bad all you want <laughs> but like <laughs> oh man you knew you had to have the sessignon thrown on the bus i didn't even mean to do that but hey it just it's what came to mind but if that's the case then yes you can do all that and you can talk bad about it and you can talk about what he should be doing three years into his first career. He but hasn't been afforded. He's literally been on the team for six right. months. Yeah. yeah. It's not that I he's mean, not been afforded. He hasn't been afforded the opportunity to even grow. Right. Before you start. When he's also ranking on again, him. when he's also playing, you were saying he's playing a team with a bunch of young, younger players that are impressing, making him stand out maybe even more. But also he's playing with a super disjointed team that we haven't had a starting 11 since the Chelsea game. Like also we finally true. got our defenders back, but I mean, now our front line's ravaged and our midfield's ravaged. So, And even yeah, those defenders no, I, aren't even 100%. I mean, yeah, I will say this. Rusty. When we get all of our guys back and some of these rotational players are able to actually come up off the bench, man, like People are not going to want to play Spurs. Like, we're going to be a scary side to to see when we have, like, the 11 that we actually want. And then we're able to figure out, like, okay, do we bring in Basuma off the bench? Do we bring in, you know, Brennan Johnson or Timo Werner or, or whoever? Like, we'll have... I mean, like, even so-so. having, like... Yeah. I mean, now that we have, like, three quality center backs, like... We did it in the last game, but are there going to be times where Ange is like, let's go three for three? These all these center backs can all like pass. They can all move the ball forward. 
But if we need to like kind of close up shop, do we put in three of them, move Udogi and Poro up into midfield, have two midfielders and three forwards? Like that's still a very attacking lineup, mm-hmm. but it's a little different. Like I feel like we're now like able to, and when we get those players back, we're going to be able to make changes, not just to who's on the field, but possibly formations and liter- really, really like cause issues like based on what's happening on the field. And I feel like, Little by little, I feel like the team is getting to a point where, like you said, Coolest FC can move inside. People are able to move into different positions, and it just makes everything more fluid, which makes it a lot harder to defend. And I feel like little by little, we're just going to get harder and harder to defend as we go forward. As long as we don't keep having extra injuries happen. Now, knock on wood. (laughs) I know. And and Davis is out for a month now. Um, So, yeah. Yeah, Is that just a knock for Gio? I'm not sure about that one. I know Ange said Davis is going to be out for a month. Kulisevsky yeah, apparently just That's went out with a bug. So he should be back um, for the City match. We're talking about James Madison being back for City. We already saw Van de Ven and Romero come back. Um, and so the team is starting to look, hopefully by the end of the month, we'll kind of be in a position where we start to look more like we did before the Chelsea debacle that kind of derailed our season. Before we get into the City preview, I do want to just go back briefly to the United draw. Um, just a quick summary of the scoring. They yeah, got we had to talk very... about Bentenker. Just, just, we we had yes. to talk about Bentenker before leaving this subject too. So go ahead, um, They got an early goal from Hoyland in the third minute. Uh, Richarlison responded with a header off of a corner kick in the 19th minute. Uh, Rashford then scored a goal to go up to one in the 40th. And then Benton Kerr responded very quickly after the second half begun in the 46th. Uh, Spurs dominated possessions 64% to 36. We had an XG of 1.23 compared to United at 0.75. Well, did um, you see there? There, Sorry, real quick, because I, I meant to bring this up earlier, but that, that McTominay chance right at the very end. That was worth almost like 0.5 expected goals. Like they were getting dominated. Yeah, I mean, that's that. probably the best chance they had the whole game. More better, better, a better chance than the actual goals that they scored. And I think that also the fact that the XG is so low also points to the fact that all four goals from Spurs and United were like really just nice, well taken goals. goals that yeah. you can't really look at defensively. I mean, maybe if you're United, you could say, like, why aren't the we Benker defending one. defending corners better? Because or it seems like we balls were Benker dropping right past us. <laughs> that Benker I mean, one was the, bad defending. the one that kind of bothers me a, on That's our also end. a very, really well-taken goal from Benton. It was, us. but, but is the it Johnny Evans there? The one that bothered me on our end was, was actually the first one because Romero, Romero, was in a pos- <laughs> Romero was in a position to close out and he put his hands behind his back and then Hoyland takes a touch and then it's in the it's in the back of the net. Like to me, if I maybe Romero was nervous about closing out so early, getting, you know, a red card, like whatever. But that to me was right there. Like if yeah. if he would have just pushed up, then that goal probably doesn't happen. So like I don't want to blame him for that goal because a lot of stuff happened before it, but you're the center back in the position in front of the guy. He certainly and you put your hands behind defended your back it better. And allowed him to like, like I say, he when and and my thing is if I'm a if I'm an attacker and I see someone put their hand of their hands behind their back, you don't time have the same speed. <laughs> it's not just time to shoot, but it's time to take a, a Bounce, touch and then shoot because yeah, yeah. you're not going to be able to close it down the same way if you're running with your hands behind your back. So Eric like, Dyer, is that me, you? I thought you went to Bayern. <laughs> To me, Romero showed his hand too early and just allowed Hoyland to to take that touch and then put it in the back of net. But it still was an amazing finish, and that that wasn't a guaranteed finish when he takes that touch. So he still had a lot to do. He still had a lot to do on that. But, like, I could see in another game where Romero does not put his hands behind his back and closes Hoyland down, takes the ball off him, and it's not a goal. So, like, I... I, that's my only point about that. But the XG that, on yeah. that Hoyland goal was 0. 0.06. Yeah, that's, <laughs> that's what I'm saying. It was a good. It was a really, really good yeah. finish. But yeah. well, I really could have prevented him from taking the shot. Based on Hoyland's season so far, what he looks like so far. I mean, he's he's really young too. But he, he misses that shot 99 out of 100 times. That thing ends up at Rosie. Like that thing smashed the roof of the net. Yeah, I mean that's the whole thing. It's like 
I that's another reason why I'm not necessarily upset about the draw because I'm also th- looking like it wasn't it wasn't like we just didn't play well. It wasn't like we just gave them the game. It wasn't like we just let them score. Like there was just things happened and I also feel like going into the game one of the things that gave me a little bit of pause was the fact that United like I said last week have been consistently inconsistent and it seems like they usually put in better performances against good teams. Um, if we were Crystal Palace, they maybe they lose that game. Um, but it, you know, but, they 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 you, finished in in ways that they have not finished in, outside of the season. And I mean, you talk about Hoyland scoring and Rashford scoring. Really, nobody on their team has been scoring. Um, so for them to score two goals at all is kind of outside of the norm for for that team and that's just something you gotta kind of tip your hat to them and keep it moving I'm, I'm not that upset about the goals that we let in yeah well I just if you look at all the stats that aren't the score line you can see that Spurs dominated that game like you said 64 percent possession we doubled them up on passes and were more accurate on passes so I mean I know that those things only matter so much, but we controlled the hell out of that game until really the last like five to 10 minutes when you can tell everybody was tired and we didn't have anybody to bring in except for Brian Hill and a third set it back. But no, I mean, I guess I think that's, that's, I'm trying to think if there's, especially against a big, a, a bigger team, but have we looked more dominant than that game? I don't know if we have. Like it for the it, the almost the entirety of the game. We talked before the fir- about how the we first get off to the a first fifteen start. minutes against Chelsea. Does that count? <laughs> yeah, that's what I'm saying for the for like almost like for this game we dominated for probably eighty minutes of the game. Whereas yeah. normally it's, it's like a 30, 45 minute thing. This one we really look good. But again, it goes it goes down to what do you do with that position? And you know we were not very clinical in the final third, and that's just a product of, you know, some bad passing by Brendan Johnson, but I'm not putting it all on him. I also feel like we don't have the players well, that we would, would prefer to play. Some of it was that, definitely had not having one creative midfielder. We didn't, right. we started yeah. zero creative midfielders. Oliver Skip was our creative midfielder somehow. I mean, <laughs> and he, I was going to tell you, that, that like you say, it's the Werner best game great. I've ever seen him he play. Did like his, his, he did as well as he could have done. His given pressing his was phenomenal. Set. Like yeah. His pressing was, he, was really, really good. He was pressing was from the front the at ten, times. Though? Like he, he was. was that ten, that right? was yeah. that was his that was his thing. Like he was ben the Kurt, most advanced midfielder. Mentor was more like a true eight. They they were sort of like moving back and forth, but they were they were swapping. That's what it seemed yeah. like. It seemed like Benton Kerr was back there at the beginning, but at some points Hoybear was back there. And then obviously Benton Kerr's making a run into the box at the beginning of the second half. So And that's the thing I do like about our midfield is that it is fluid. Like, yes, yeah, Skip was the but like you could see Bentacor and Hoyberg at times were changing positions whoever got the ball and made a move someone else vacate if someone vacated a space someone else fills it that's what I see happen a lot across the team the one thing that we missed and this is the kind of game where I feel like we really missed Sar moments where Rashford got in behind you would see Sar closing down that space so it's just like the the way our team functions there are certain guys that when they're not there the things that they it. do, you really, really notice. And to me, like people made it complaints about what Poro did in this game. And I was like, yeah, Poro's so used to Sar just cleaning up behind him. Right. And him not have to, having to worry so much. Like, yes, he tracks back. He defends. He definitely does that. And he definitely did that in this game. But there are moments when Rashford got in behind where Sar would have been right there. And it wouldn't have been a straight pass to Rashford. It would have been Sar closing Rashford down. And Rashford probably cycling possession to someone else. So those are the th- kind of things that when you're playing without, you could say four, four, four starters were missing. Maybe five, depending on how you put put the team together. But four of those guys are missing. When that happens, and you still manage to go away and draw one of your top six, and those are quotations, top six rivals. You know, you like I say, you can't be too upset about it. And you have to really commend the performances all across the board. Like, yeah, Bantagore had a good game. Udogi had a good game. I mean, Skip had Moro a good game. Richarlison, like Richarlison probably one of the game. best games he's ever played from to me for Spurs. Like, there was like this is the kind of thing that I want to see Richarlison do all the time. 
there were balls that you just assumed one of the Manchester United players were going to get to Richarlison got to it. There were times where he closed someone down to the point where they had to throw it away and get rid of it, where we got possession back. Like he, he came back and tracked back so many times to create problems. Like if Richarlison plays like that truly does like any loss, any ball that seemed lost, Richarlison found a way to make that our possession, found a way to get us that corner, found a way to make sure that even if we didn't get the ball, that it was hard for them to move it forward. Like if he's able to do that on a regular basis, he becomes so much more valuable. And yes, him putting the ball in the back of the net is his biggest, is the skill that we like the most, but that kind of center forward play makes it so that the rest of our team can function in ways that like, We'll, we'll make it so much easier for every other guy. Like if we're getting 16, we got 16 corners. Like if we're getting, was it 16 corners? 13 corners. I'm sorry. If we're getting 13 corners, we're going to score at least one of those. Like that's a goal. Like with Poro's delivery and with how, and I think United was, he's, they're just very bad at defending corners. So I mean, can't probably expect... probably could have slash should have scored at least one well, other Romero goal off one. of the corner. I mean, yeah, Romero. I mean, I, 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 I'm not even he, thinking about one specifically. I'm just thinking about how many times we had corners that just kind of just dropped in good positions and and we weren't there to clean it up because they were not defending them very well at all. And uh, like I say, some like I would probably say at least three of those corners were just based on the player for Charleston and making sure that like he closed down someone who was. And you know, Brennan Johnson actually where he could get a corner. Him. Yeah. He he wins a lot of corners just because he's getting to cross his block. His cross is blocked. At least that's <laughs> that was Timo that was had, a, Timo had a few of those too. Well, Timo had some sky shots too. Those are some of the I mean, I he's he's definitely rusty, but uh other than his shooting, he looked he looked all right. But I was gonna ask you guys, so obviously for a few games we had it where our defense was just destroyed like where we're starting four fullbacks and don't have you know any starting um any starting center backs there was i'm trying to remember if there was a time we had to we had i think just pour out of our starting four anyway point being is this game our forwards were okay but our midfield was all second choice midfield so except for maybe benton kerr that was basically what i was getting to is if we have a completely healthy team who's our choice midfield well, Matters is playing the 10, obviously. Definitely Madison there. Yeah. So you're really asking about the six and the eight. Yeah. For I me. Sar, probably, and Bentoncourt. And Bentoncourt at the six? Mm-hmm. I bring Basuma off the think, bench. I think I agree with that right now. I'd like to say Basuma from the very right first now, few yes. games of the season. Right now, yes. Yeah. Um, Basuma otherwise... goes on a tear at AFCON and comes back in just phenomenal form. Like, yeah, maybe, but. I mean, I, I didn't say the really, today, but I just I heard find he was it really, really bad. hard. I find it really hard bad. to drop Sar. Like I, with the I work know. he's done all season, and one his availability. Like that's the other thing I look at is he has not gotten suspended this whole season, and it's not that he hasn't put in challenges. It's not that he hasn't been, you know, doing the work that he's supposed to. But Opposed he to finds Basuma. a way. <laughs> <laughs> he finds a way to, you know. He gets yellow cards, but he didn't get suspended. He didn't, he didn't get the yellow card accumulation. Um, yeah, I just feel like I I find it really, really hard to drop him. So for me, it's Basuma and Bentoncourt. And I feel like Bentoncourt with his well, one, he does he also like I don't expect him to get suspended. That's he's not a guy that I, I think of as a problem like that, but I feel like his quality in possession too. Um Basuma can I feel like he can get the ball taken off him at times. Like he's really good at holding on to the ball, but when he does lose it, it's disastrous. <laughs> um, and I feel like it puts us in really, really bad positions when he does lose it. Um, Cause it's, it's usually because he's being adventurous, which we enjoy when it works, but when it doesn't, you know, it, it can turn bad. Um, I feel like we get less of that with uh, Lolo. So wait, same question then for the front three. I'm just now that we're like we're about to be spoiled for actual choices at different positions. I'm just is, is Kuliseski like a bench? Is, is he on the bench in our in our no. starting eleven? No, 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 no. Is he on the wing then? Yeah, he starts it, on the right. Brennan yeah. comes off the bench. You gotta Sun have left. you gotta have Son, Richarlison, Soon. and Kuliseski. I think, so. I think yeah. that's not even a question. 
I think you're probably right. Like I said, I, I do like Kulisevsky better as a 10, but I like Madison better as a 10 than Kulisevsky. So, right. yeah. yeah. I mean, the fact like, is... I, I think I agree with with all of that. The and fact is actually... Kulisevsky is the best right winger we have. So you can play him at the 10. It's nice, but we don't have a right winger better than him. So he's going to play right wing, all things considered. The, what I would like so to see more striker? is that triangle that they have between... Um, if you t- if you look at a triangle between Kulisevsky, Madison, and Poro, I would like them to be free flowing. I would like to see Madison go right at times. I would like to see Kulisevsky come in the middle. I would like yeah. to see, and maybe not so much Poro. Poro can can go right. He can also come in the middle because he does come into the midfield. I would like to see that being kind of fluid, cr- causing problems, moving the ball between those. We'll put three. Sar in there too, where Sar backs up defensively a little bit more. Like yeah, and what you earlier. what you would end up seeing is when when Poro moves up, Sar moves into his position Drop in back. the back. I would like to see that sort of free flowing between those three to allow Kulusevsky to come inside sometimes, to allow Madison to go out sometimes because Madison's a good crosser of the ball. Kulusevsky's not so much a crosser on the outside. He's more of a crosser on the inside. So, like, I feel like those that would work out for both of them. And, yes, you see Madison might technically start in the middle, but if we can create some fluidity in that in that front three or front right three or whatever, I feel like it could be – really really beneficial to the team so yeah starting Kulosevsky on the right doesn't mean he has to stay there and I think that's the kind of thing that we should move towards so one other thing I noticed about Werner is it seems like he's a little bit more two-footed than our non-sunny wingers there he seemed to be more two-footed I don't know if he actually is because small sample size I haven't watched enough of him but um I wonder though like so who is our backup forward striker would be sunny and then somebody else moving to the left or who who's the backup to richarlison well if everybody's healthy it's probably valise because yeah, that's I mean, what Timo, he was signed Timo to can do. also play up front he, yeah. he can do that too so I, uh, apparently he can play all across the front three so if we need him we could see him at any of those positions he's probably is the best direct replacement for son just like his his skill set and two-footedness probably makes him the he could, like you said, he could cover any of those three, but he's probably best on the left. Same son, probably, really. Yeah, I mean, the, the big anyway. question mark with him is just whether or not he's going to have his his finishing boots on over the course of the next six months, which um, I guess we'll see. With the 2-2 draw against United, we stay at fifth with 40 points, which now brings us level with Arsenal, who have a game in hand. Um, what they did this season is implement a winter break where half of the teams play one weekend and half of the teams play next weekend. So Spurs will now get a nice long break and all of the teams that did not play this past weekend will play on the upcoming weekend, which will include Arsenal as well as Liverpool. With one last note for the United match, I just want to say like Johnson was also matched up against Juan Bissaka, who for my money is probably United's best defender. So I feel like that's another part of the narrative that people are ignoring. It's like Wambasaka is better than him. And that is also going to, you know, play a factor in 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 how well a guy performs. Um, had he played really well, we would have said, look at what he did to Wambasaka. And the fact that he didn't, I feel like he's getting a lot of blame. Anyway, we covered that. We can be followed on Twitter and Instagram at Koizara's Podcast. Um, we've got a nice break, like I said, before our next match, which is not this Friday, but next week, Friday on the 26th. Um, so if you have comments or thoughts or questions for the pod, please let us know there. Looking ahead to the 26th, which is going to be our fifth round FA Cup draw at home against Manchester City. We saw them earlier this year in the Premier League. We had a very eventful 3-3 draw on the road at the Etihad Stadium. Um, This is going to be a home game. As we talked about last week, this is a stadium that has given Pep Guardiola fits. They've played us five times there. They have not scored a single goal yet. I don't know how confident I feel that that streak is going to continue into uh, infinity and beyond. So I feel like eventually they are going to score a goal in our stadium. It would be nice if I if I had my choice at it. I'd probably rather see them score in the Premier League game than I would 
in this FA Cup game because this is a trophy that I'd really like us to go on and win. So you're not going to do a new motto of death taxes and Man Man City clean sheets at Spurs. That has never been my motto, and I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. I'm not. I'm not planning to pick it up now. I'm really scared and nervous about this game. I'm not going to lie to you guys. I was really hoping with Liverpool eliminating Arsenal. That's a big team that you definitely don't want to see in, in cups. And I thought, you know, if we can avoid City and we can avoid Liverpool, we'll be good. And we couldn't even do that. Um, the, the odds were not in our favor. But we have a storied history, particularly over the past five or six years, of just having these crazy games with City, at least one a season. The glass half empty version of that is that we've already had a crazy game with Man City, so maybe the next couple ones will be a little bit more routine. The glass half full version, of course, is the whole they don't score in our stadium and we seem to pip them when it comes to cup competitions. Obviously, you think of that famous Champions League run uh, where we were able to beat them on away goals in that crazy 4-3 game um, at their stadium. So there is a lot to say about how we might match up against them. Of course, like I said, we have our defenders back. James Madison should be back as well, which is going to change how our offense looks. We'll still be missing Sun, um, but they also have De Bruyne back, and I'm sure you guys saw what he did this weekend. <laughs> which was just like straight out of a storybook, um, come in off the bench, create two goals, win the game. Um, he's back. How how nervous does the return of De Bruyne make you, Kim? Insanely nervous. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, that's the right answer. KDB, like KDB is, it's like hard to have words for just how um, important he is to City for not so much for them to win, but for them to to dominate, really. Um, I feel like he's him and Rodri are the two most important players, in my opinion, to Manchester City. You lose one of them or both of them, and City becomes insanely more beatable. Um, we, and we saw that happen this season. Yeah. So, so to me, um, it does make me really, really nervous. But um, I still look at our, in general, results against City like. If you take a look at some of the defensive lines we played against City and gotten clean sheets at the Tottenham Hotspur Stadium, it is quite amazing. <laughs> like the last time we played them and got a clean sheet, Eric Dyer was in the middle of, def of our defense. And, Who else played? Um, let me actually pull it up right now. So that was in February before things really went to shit. We played oh, Romero. Hugo, Romero, Dyer, and Davies. Emerson Royale, Hoiberg, Benson Corn, Perisic, Kulusevsky, Son, and Kane. And that was the that, that was, was last the, season. Yeah, February of 23. So it was last season. Um KDB was not playing, like I said. Rodri was. Um, but to me, if if both of those guys are on the pitch, it becomes much harder to beat Man City. Um, so yeah. I still don't know what I'm going to predict. We'll see. So I'm looking at our last few matches against City and just kind of looking down the list here. Going back to 2021, they've beaten us twice. Um, not Sorry, three times. Um, so they beat us in February 21 and April 21. Then we beat them in August of 21. We beat them in February of 22. They beat us in January of 23. We beat them in February of 23. And then our last match was a draw this past December. So we do seem to be like their spoiler club. I know that for all the nerves that we have going into this game, City fans are probably equally as nervous because despite the fact that they seem to dominate the games in terms of possession and in terms of chances created, one way or another... We have found ways to get results against them. And this is with everyone from Mourinho to Conte to Ryan Mason. And so this is a, this is a difficult game to predict because your brain tells you we're probably going to lose this game. Your heart tells you maybe not. And your nerves tell you 
I just want it to be over. Is anyone so bold, so bold as to take the first tab at our prediction? And for the record, Jesse, who could not join us today, uh, he told us before we started recording that he was going to pick a 1-0 Tottenham win. So if that if that makes you feel any better. Yeah, so now Jesse took the uh, sting out of it by going first. But I'm going to go with the good old standby of 2-1 Spurs. Here we go. It's, try, it's the again, tried and like, true. Yeah, try to sure. I, I I know that I I have a history of never pick. I don't think I've ever picked Spurs to lose. The worst I'll do is pick a draw, just because I don't know. Doesn't doesn't seem right. I'm not really playing for the competition of beating you guys, to be honest. So much as like, come on, I can't pick against Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. But, <laughs> yeah, exactly. I uh, well, you're not you're not gonna yeah. like my pick, Ben. No, I, I know you're you're more pragmatic with it, and that's not a bad thing. An I, L. We knew this. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, well, I mean, I, yeah, I mean, I guess I'll say this um, was talking about the game with some folks at the pub this weekend. And what I said was like, not feeling great about it, but I feel like I'm probably giving us like a 35 percent chance of winning, um, which is not I think that's about that, right. not that low, not that high. Uh, I think they obviously have the edge. They have better players. Um they have a system that they've been playing for like the past seven years and the best coach in the world and all this other stuff. So there's a lot going in their favor, not to mention Kevin De Bruyne is probably the best player in the, in the Premier League. So him being back really gives them the advantage, but there's still that 35% chance. Um, and so I'm, I'm not, um, I'm not, I'm not super confident that we'll win. I'm actually picking a two, one loss, but I, I still am holding on to that 35% chance that I will be proven wrong. And I am going to go for a 2-2 draw and a replay. We get replays. <laughs> there we go. Are they, are they um, moving to... Um... I don't know what the rule is. I know that they had replays in the fourth round. Um, a, a, a few teams actually played earlier today. Uh, we're recording this on Tuesday. And so there were some replays happening this week. I don't know at what point they stopped doing replays. Um but the, uh... it says uh, for the fifth round onwards, matches that are tied go to 30 minutes of extra time and then a penalty okay. shootout. So basically, uh. this is going to be the first round of the FA Cup without any replays. So if it is a draw, um, it won't be a draw. <laughs> so, yeah, so I got to so I just cut I that. You're going to have to you're going to have to pick my, just cut my whole thing. Just cut my whole definitely, thing. You should predict um... a painful loss on PKs. <laughs> You know what? I, I'm glad though. Actually, I'd, I'd rather just go to penalties than uh, have to have a replay against City. I did not want to play City four times in one year. I don't want to play anyone more than once, honestly. No. Like I, I don't want to replay against Bristol City. I don't care who it is. <laughs> That's the kind of game that if it could go to replay, I feel like it would. Um, but because it can't, um, if you want to get spicy with your with your pick, you can you can pick that it goes to extra time. We'll allow that, but you're still gonna have to pick a scoreline. Yeah, well, I, I guess I'm gonna say, cause we're at home, I'm gonna do my my Ben Wishcast right now. <laughs> Three two Spurs might go to extra time, but I'm gonna pull out that last minute goal. A three two extra time so winner would be the perfect way to that start. That would be my fire. It would be fire. So three two Spurs. Let's let's you know Wishcast and you know let's hope. Now you the should go with Jesse we... now and, and pick who's who's going to score the winner in what minute. Because honestly, uh, the well, thing Jesse's, about Jesse City, would pick Brian Hill. The thing about City is I don't look at them as like yeah they start those four defenders at the back, but I don't think of them as like an insanely like serious defensive team. For no, some they're reason. not. Like, they're not. So they're not. They, this is like they'll the, give up a goal. We've been able to score two goals on them, and like they've had a good defense. We've considered their defense good. Um, so right now I'm like you know. Could be very possible that we can bang in some of these goals. So yeah, I'm gonna go three two, and let's do. Hopefully, I would like to see extra time, like make it a little spicy. Yeesh. Um, I would. I would. I would like, I would to, would see like to see extra time if and, yeah. I would like to see extra time if we're losing with ten minutes left. Then yes, <laughs> I would love to see extra time. But Down if we're winning, I don't want after, anything after to do. You, 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 just, you just you want it to be over. Yes. Once we take a lead, and then at that point, I just want us to close Katie up shop, Beacon, which I know Katie we're not going to ever the, do. 
That's what I'm saying. KDB can't play the whole game. He just came back from injury. He's not playing. Nobody on our minutes. team can play the whole game. Our whole team <laughs> is exhausted and just got, came back got, from injury. We got two weeks off. What are you saying? Yeah. Mad Who's Madison, saying? Madison plays play a full 120. <laughs> Straight out of an injury. Van Event gets his both hands. Madison done. starts and the or Kulosevsky starts and then Madison comes in for him. Madison starts and Kulosevsky comes in for him. Creation. I actually didn't I didn't like seeing Van Event on at the end of that game <laughs> when he had the cramps. I'm like, why is this guy still on at this point? Like we just bought another defender. Uh, he just come back from injury. I didn't understand that. I mean, one thing I will say about City's defensive line is, you know, people have had a lot to say over the past few months about Ange playing a high line and, you know, all the defenders at, at the at the halfway line against Chelsea and all that stuff. But City's been doing this for the past few years where they have years. all of their <laughs> defenders basically in their opponent's half. And that's how we've beaten them the past few years is basically just like Sonny running running in behind. And then Ooh. we yeah, imagine on counters. could be good. I'd say that's the thing that I think we got better with is we have more pace in our front line. Before it was just Sonny making those runs and Kane catching up occasionally, but now it's like you can think about three guys who will make the run behind them as long as they stay on side. I was going to say three guys that you can. I mean, as long as they stay on side, (laughs) there are three guys. No matter who we play up front, we can expect them to like make some runs. I think this is yeah. going to be a fascinating game. I'm actually a little confused as to why they would schedule it on a Friday because I feel like this is the game that everybody's going to want to watch. Um, obviously, they don't care about about well, I mean, American if it's time. On, I was going to say, <laughs> if it's Friday night at 8 p.m., 8 PM everyone yeah. is going to be watching it. And that's, yeah. the, and that's the reason I feel like we've gotten so many Friday games is we are for for – for broadcasters who get that Friday night slot, we are a very good draw for eyes. And Man City and Spurs on a Friday night is a big draw. It's obviously going to be hard for people, especially people who come from Manchester, to try to make it to that game. It's going to be tough. People who work, you know, all those things, it makes it tough. But actual eyes on TV, if this is a broadcast game, they're gonna everyone's going to be watching, even if it's a Friday night. Yeah. Um, like I said, I'm, I'm I'm expecting it to be a pretty fascinating game. I will be absolutely nervous the entire time. I don't know, man. Come on, you Spurs. Come on, you Spurs. <laughs> Come on, you Spurs. <laughs>